What's up, everyone? This is the Run-In Raiders Report. I am your host, Brandon Steele. We're previewing a little Week 2 action between the Las Vegas Raiders and the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Vegas Raiders 1-0 after a marathon game and a Monday Night Thriller against the Baltimore Ravens. The Pittsburgh Steelers also 1-0 in a game where they upset the Buffalo Bills in Big Buff. They're 1-0 as well. A lot of people, a lot of media, a lot of analysts did not see the Pittsburgh Steelers beating the Buffalo Bills in that game, but they did. They're 1-0, a little bit of surprise, and honestly, the Raiders a little bit of a surprise with a 1-0 record after the way the Monday night game against Baltimore went. But we're on to week two, and what a challenge it is early. A very historic rivalry. The Raiders and the Steelers go back to the mid-1970s, the Immaculate Reception, Terry Bradshaw versus Jim Plunkett, the Joe Matt, the John Madden Raiders, excuse me, against the Chuck Knoll Steelers. A lot of great history in this battle. And what's interesting is, is Big Ben Roethlisberger had a record of 0-10 coming into the city of Oakland to play the Oakland Raiders. And the Raiders haven't been too good either heading into Pittsburgh to play against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I believe the last time the Raiders came away with a win in Pittsburgh was back in 2010-2011 when Bruce Gradkowski was the quarterback of the Oakland Raiders throwing game-winning touchdowns to guys like Lewis Murphy and Darius Hayward Bay. So it's been a long time since the Raiders have gone into the Berg and walked out with a win, and it was a very, very long time since the Steelers came into Oakland and walked out with a win. As I said, Big Ben 0-10 against the Raiders on the road. But now everything's a lot different now with the Raiders playing in Vegas, this game obviously being on the road where the Raiders haven't been as successful. The last meeting between these two teams was a 24-21 win for the Raiders in a season that did not end very well for the Raiders back in 2018. So a lot has changed for both of these squads. But here and now, 2021, week two, Big game. The Raiders are banged up, and it starts with a couple superstars. Yannick Ngakwe, who was added in free agency. Um, he's a little banged up. He's going to be questionable for this game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Excuse me, Dealing with a little bit of a hamstring injury. He's been practicing. It's been limited. He's got a huge wrap around his upper thigh, hamstring area, but he's still getting in reps, which is unlike Raiders running back Josh Jacobs, who... Very intriguingly, very awkwardly in these times of Corona-19 and the Corona protocols in the NFL, Josh Jacobs on Saturday night um, said, Renault reports came out that Josh Jacobs was sick. He had flu-like symptoms. He wasn't feeling very well. Sunday, the reports were the same. He wasn't feeling very well. He was going to be a game-time decision on Monday. Monday, he played, and now all of a sudden it was about turf toe and high ankle injury. Nothing really about sickness. And the turf toe and the high ankle injury seemed well more obvious than any sort of fatigue and illness in his face when the camera zoomed in on him on the sideline. He did not play very well. He changed his cleats multiple times. They were putting stuff in his cleats to protect his big toe. Um, Turf toe is a very annoying and lingering injury, especially in running backs. Uh, A Raiders running back in Raiders history, Darren McFadden dealt with turf toe the majority of his career and it's one of those injuries where you play a game you come out of the game a little bit you think you can hype yourself up to go back in and play you re-aggravate it you're out of game you come back the next game and the cycle continues the only way that injury heals is with time and it brings me to question week two 
facing against the statistically six best ranked defense, a top five ranked defense last year in the Pittsburgh Steelers. They have the highest paid edge rusher in the league, T.J. Watt, J.J. Watt's younger brother, if you didn't know. They have Melvin Ingram now. They have Devin Bush. This team gets after the passer. They play great defense, and it makes me wonder. It's only week two, and what a difficult task on the road, and you're banged up. Do you put Josh Jacobs on some sort of a pitch count, you know, where, all right, look, you had 10 carries against Baltimore, the 34 yards, the two clutch touchdowns, that's great. Do we keep you at the 8 to 10 carries where you're able to suit up, you're in the position of where, well, we're in this game right now, maybe Coach Gruden puts him in, he jumps over the top for a score, or do you just not play him at all and you see a lot of Peyton Barber? You see a lot of Kenyon Drake, and now if that's the case, you would assume that Barber would be the power runner and that Kenyon Drake would be the pass catcher. With Josh Jacobs already being hurt in this marathon season, this gruesome NFL season, that's a question that I had and that I will look forward to seeing on Sunday in Pittsburgh when the Raiders take on the Steelers. Will Josh Jacobs be on some sort of count and Other injuries, Gerald McCoy, a free agent signing from the Dallas Cowboys, was brought in. Um, He had a torn quadricep last year with Dallas. He missed all of last year. He's going to miss all of this year with a knee injury. So now the depth comes into play for the Raiders' defense. They brought in Solomon Thomas. They have Quentin Jefferson. Quentin Jefferson was able to force a fumble on Lamar Jackson in the Monday night game. Um, Darius Phylon has been great, a player that played very well in preseason. He got some reps in the game on Monday. But one thing that stands out is Cleland Farrell, former fourth, fourth overall pick in Mike Mayock's first draft with John Gruden. Cleland Farrell was a healthy scratch. Gus Bradley says that he was a great cheerleader when he needed to be. He was a great teammate in the Monday Nighter. He knew his role. He wasn't going to play, but he was there for the team. And now on Sunday, this is an opportunity for him to make up reps and show the Pittsburgh Steelers, show the Raider Nation why exactly Mr. Mayock took him fourth overall in that draft. So Gerald McCoy out, which probably brings in more Cleveland Farrell. And we may finally see that Farrell-Crosby tandem off the edge at a higher level than we have seen in recent memory, with Yannick Ngakwe probably going to be on limited reps as they don't want to push him too much as he is really the face of the free agent signings, and it's only week two. They pulled him out of the game. They didn't push it with him in the game on Monday night, so we probably will have an opportunity to see Cleveland Farrell and Mad Max Crosby come off those edges and make big plays. Speaking of Mad Max Crosby, wow. We're looking at a game between the Raiders and the Steelers that features two of the league's premier pass rushers, and I said it. It may be week two, but Mad Max Crosby looks lean. He lost a lot of body fat. He is all lean muscle now. He looks so good, and his cardio is through the roof. He reminds me of a championship fighter. He can go five rounds and then go another five rounds. He was keeping pace with Lamar Jackson as he scrambled for four quarters and overtime. He had the two sacks. He had the 13 pressures, which led the entire NFL in week one. He had four QB hits. He was coming after Lamar. He was talking a little trash to Lamar, and he will be featured in this game against the Steelers on Sunday coming off of the right side or the left side against two left tackles or right tackles that are not at the elite level, quite frankly. And I expect 
Mad Max Crosby to have himself a pretty nice game against this Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line. But the same goes for T.J. Watt and the Pittsburgh Steelers with Melvin Ingram coming off that other side um, as well, either left or right, because T.J. Watt, he has himself a matchup against a Raiders rookie, Alex Leatherwood. And Alex Leatherwood did not play very badly in the game against the Ravens. He had a very big mistake on a false start in overtime that led to the crazy interception that Derek Carr had thrown that was deflected off of a helmet of a Raven after being spit through the hands of Willie Sneed and then eventually intercepted. But other than that, Alex Leatherwood had a huge task of Justin Houston and Calais Campbell and the stunts that the Ravens were throwing at him. And he did a pretty decent job for a rookie. And he's going to have a bigger task on Sunday against T.J. Watt, who, of course, got the big contract and then was able to sack Josh Allen, um, making his presence felt right away. It's going to be T.J. Watt against Alex Leatherwood, and it's going to be Max Crosby against the right tackle and the left tackle as he's going to be moving around, switching around against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But in this game, it's very interesting to me because one of the things that stands out regarding both of these offenses is that both of these offenses look very different in their games. The Raiders down 14 points early in the Baltimore game. John Gruden let Derek Carr let it fly. I believe this is the most passing attempts Derek Carr has had in a game in a very long time. 56 attempts, 34 completions, 435 yards, leading the league in yards and um, excuse me, leading the league in yards and attempts after one game and the Raiders offense is most yards, most points scored as of now in the NFL. Obviously only one game, but Derek hasn't done that in a while. Recent memory is the game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2016 where he threw for 500 yards, and it was also a game that went into overtime where he found Seth Roberts for a game-winning catch. But he targeted tight end Darren Waller 19 times for 10 catches. Waller had a touchdown and 105 yards, and Gruden was letting Carr let that ball rip. He found Brian Edwards not until the fourth quarter and overtime. Henry Ruggs had two catches. One was huge to set the Raiders up for a touchdown that resulted in to Darren Waller. But I'm looking at this offense. I'm thinking to myself, if you're going to let the ball fly as much as you did and you plan on doing that potentially again this week against the Pittsburgh Steelers with Josh Jacobs being banged up and not really knowing how trustworthy you are with Peyton Barber yet, How many weapons do the Raiders need? Because Zay Jones is there, who caught the big touchdown, got a lot of praise from Derek Carr. Hunter Renfro, an amazing slot receiver. He's top eight at least in slot receivers in the league, probably top five. And then there's Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs. And Brian Edwards, believe it or not, is getting more credit, more upside, getting more reps than Henry Ruggs is. And Brian Edwards was a third-round pick. And Henry Ruggs was a first-round pick. And then, obviously, there's Darren Wallers, who's probably going to get you know anywhere from 8 to 12, 20 targets, I guess, per game. But it makes me wonder, if Gruden is going to let this ball fly with Jacobs being a little banged up, do the Raiders need more weapons? I'm not sure. It's something to think about, even in Week 2, because if you're targeting one guy 19 times, it doesn't matter if he's the best player that Coach Gruden's ever coached you got to spread the wealth a lot better. And I'm hoping that on Sunday, Derek Carr 
John Gruden, this Raiders offense, spread the wealth a lot better because this Pittsburgh Steelers defense is filled with pro bowlers. It is filled with superstars. And it's honestly one of the best um, defenses that the Raiders are going to see all year long. I mean, Devin Bush at inside linebacker, TJ Watt off the side, Cameron Hayward, Pro Football Focus ranked number one interior D lineman, Melvin Ingram, Joe Hayden at corner, Minka Fitzpatrick at safety, I mean, Cameron Sutton at the other corner. This team is a legitimate threat. They always are on defense, and the Raiders being a little bit banged up. Denzel Good out for the year. Second string right guard will be plugged in there to take on stunts from Cameron Hayward and so on and so forth. It's going to be a challenge, and I'm looking at it with this frame of mind where here's an opportunity for the Raiders to want to throw the ball, to want to spread the wealth, put this good Steelers defense on the back foot, but are they actually going to do it? Because I'm noticing with this Raiders offense, only after one game, that Alec Ingold, a very athletic fullback, Carr's getting more reps thrown to Alec Ingold than he is to Henry Ruggs, and that just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And not really thinking that that will be the key to success in this game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. You want to get these playmakers involved. And I'm not saying that Alec Engel can't make plays. I'm just saying that, quite frankly, Henry Ruggs was the fastest guy in the NFL draft last year when you took him. And Brian Edwards is extremely physical and a very good one-on-one, go-up-and-get-the-ball type of guy. And Darren Waller, obviously, either the best or second-best tight end, depending on how you see it. It's going to be an amazing challenge for this Raiders offense as they will look to go 2-0 Sunday taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And before we sign off here, the Raiders defense played a lot better. And they're facing up against a Pittsburgh Steelers offense that features Big Ben Roethlisberger. He's been there 18, 19 years now. But they're seeing three wide receivers or four wide receivers that really don't do anything amazing. They're just all really good at catching the ball short and making the play on their own. Chase Claypool, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Deontay Johnson. Now, Najee Harris is going to get a lot of the fame here from this offense, being the rookie running back from Alabama, but he only had 46 yards last week against a Bills defense that still could only generate six pressures. This Raiders defense last week generated 30 pressures on Lamar Jackson, and they only blitzed a handful of times. So, obviously, Gus Bradley's defense is working after one game. Looking at the Raiders' defense and looking at the Steelers' offense, if the Raiders can keep everything in front of them and Corey Littleton is able to stay in his zones, rookie Nate Hobbs can stay in his zones, Casey Hayward can continue to play good corner um, the way he did in that game against the Ravens where he was on Sammy Watkins for the majority of the game. He took him out of the game for the majority of the game. Trayvon Mullen was targeted more um, by Lamar Jackson, but... If Hayward, Mullen, uh, Merrig, and Jonathan Abram can keep these wide receivers who are very speedy in front of them and tackle well, the Raiders are going to have a very good shot at winning this game through the defense to set up the offense to keep it simple and to let Carr spread the wealth and get into the end zone. That's how I'm seeing this game. Before I sign off, I will leave you with one prediction for this Week 2 battle between the Raiders and the Steelers. It is tough to pick the Raiders in this game, considering that, yes, the Raiders are 1-0. They had the Monday night overtime winner, but for three quarters, they did not look good in that game against Baltimore. 
One thing that I give the Raiders a lot of props on is the fact that in the fourth quarter, the Raiders left all those first three quarters behind them and reset themselves and played very good football on both sides of the ball. They didn't make a lot of penalty mistakes. The mistakes that they made were just week one miscommunications. All those things can be fixed. But other than that, they cannot start slow against a veteran in Ben Roethlisberger who has more wisdom and a better arm, quite frankly, than Lamar Jackson. And if you've made it this far to the podcast, I said it, I'd take Ben over Lamar probably any day. The Raiders' defense has something in store for them, and so does this Raiders' offense. And I'll leave you with this. Whoever wins this game, their defense keeps the opponent under 20 points. I see this being a very low-scoring game. If the Raiders are going to win, they're not going to allow 20 points from that Steelers' offense. They're going to keep them stagnant. Mind you, Pittsburgh did not score any points in the first half in that game against Buffalo. If the Raiders win, they keep Pittsburgh under 20, and then they're able to capitalize on those defensive efforts and getting into the end zone. We'll find out on Monday when we recap the game. I hope everyone enjoys the game, and go Raiders.